Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into the Lego Movie 2, the second part, in today's statistics episode. It took me, uh, you know, a little over a week to finally get to see the Lego movie, too. And uh, this, this before we really dive into the statistics, just a, just a brief... Well, I, guess, I guess that can be touched on in the middle of the statistics. So, so let's, um, let's do this. The Lego movie 2, colon, the second part. It's a 2019 film that I saw... Uh, February 16th, 2019, so I saw it on Saturday. I'm recording this on Monday. Uh, The film clocked in at 99 minutes, or 1 hour and 39 minutes. My brief synopsis. An invasion leads to years of desolation before an abduction. Uh, So, which is a little clunky, but I can kind of get into the more specifics of this um, in a second. Uh, I ended up giving the film a 66. It currently has an 85% on Rotten Tomatoes. And uh, to kind of dive a little deeper into into the the synopsis, at the end of the first Lego movie, uh, Duplo characters are invading Bricksburg and and the, the city that Emmett lives in. And when we start the film, Lego movie 2, we do get a flashback, uh, you know, um, refreshing our memories that is the invasion uh the subsequent result of such an said invasion is years of desolation and uh sadness and gritty apocalypse style genre stuff you know think mad max like things and then and ultimately where when the story finally kicks into gear is when a group of the characters, uh, all of which were in the first movie, are abducted by a foreign entity. And that is kind of what kicks off the movie. Uh, so an invasion leads to years of desolation before an abduction. And 66, you know, it, it's a it's a strong, solid score. It's not exceptional. You know, that is... Uh, to kind of look at the the Lego franchise, uh, the Lego Movie is still my favorite Lego Lego Movie. Uh, the Lego Batman Movie is, in my opinion, better than Part Two of the Lego Movie because, from my from my money, I think Batman Lego Bats is more concise. Uh, it, it understands exactly what it wants to be, and it does so very well. It does so. Um, in a finite kind of way, you know, it's a Batman movie. It follows uh, a very specific um, story and themes and messages, and I, I don't think it really gets sidetracked that much. Lego Movie Two uh, is fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a really fun movie, but it does get sidetracked uh, quite a bit. It, it is. It meanders a little. It 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 deviates from from what I expect the theme to be, and 
not not expect, but but what the theme is as it's presented, and you know it, it maneuvers itself uh, in in a many many directions. So again, I, I think the Lego Movie Two is good. I do think it loses some of the luster that the original had, and and a lot of the focus and. Um, precision that uh the lego batman movie had so uh i don't include the lego ninjago movie in this this series it is a lego movie but um as far as i could tell there was nothing explicitly tying uh ninjago to these other movies so uh, it, it remains separated these three films currently combine to clock in at uh less than five hours which is pretty good um makes it really easy to watch them because they're all very short and combined the the three films have an average rating of 80.33 you know so still a very strong trio of movies not trilogy but trio and uh yeah i i I still like it i think it's really fun it's enjoyable you're gonna have you should likely have a good time watching it and um yeah it, it was just exciting and and in a year in, in a year like this so far, you know, we haven't had too many films that are, are this exciting and, and I was pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly surprised. So let us move on to uh, the director. Lego Movie 2. Director of Lego Movie 2 is one Mike Mitchell. This is the third film of his that I've seen. It increases his average film rating to a 57. It is his only film in the 60s and best movie overall, coming in ahead of Trolls. Uh, The third film of his I've seen is the SpongeBob movie, Sponge Out of Water. He has a value of negative 0.5, a score of 33.7, and he is ranked 633rd overall. Uh, A spot behind a bunch of people, including Sam Peckinpah uh, and uh, Bernie Mattinson. Uh, Bernie Mattinson, who directed The Great Mouse Detective uh, and Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mike Mitchell is one spot ahead of Greta Gerwig, Oscar-nominated director for Lady Bird. Uh, Duke Johnson, from an, who directed Anomalisa. And uh, a bunch of other people. bunch of other people. And the direction in Lego Movie 2 is, like I kind of said, you know, the film meanders a little bit. I, I would place a lot of that on the screenplay and the writing of the film more than the direction uh, at face value, but that doesn't mean it doesn't, you know, the direction isn't without its faults for that exact reason as well. The Mitchell has a tough job because Lego Movie burst onto the scene. It, it was fairly revolutionary. It kind of just came out of nowhere. It, it, shocked everyone i don't think any i think most people really didn't expect to see a good movie um from it and yet what we got was a pretty fantastic film uh by all by many accounts and coming into to make this sequel you know you 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 end up being stuck in this position where you don't want to simply repeat what has been done already but you do want to, you know, build on the success of the first film. And it's really tough to balance those things when you're dealing with something as 
unique as the Lego movie. And he, he, he does a, again, he does a fine job, you know, trying to, to play in the same sandbox. But I think that, and, and more of this in, in, in the screenplay element, the writing element of it, but, you know, I, I think he, he, he did end up kind of homaging too many films and too many themes and tropes and genres in this because the first one was very much doing that and that was kind of the point this one i don't think that is the point and it's a shame that so much time is devoted to uh cameos and uh references and things like that i think there was a lot of room to kind of expand and and start to you know create your own references and so on and so forth so uh, yeah, I, I think the direction I, I felt was was relatively weak overall. Relatively weak. Um, but let's move on to the writing. Starting out with Phil Lord. This is the fifth film of his I've seen. It drops his average film rating to an 80. It is his second film rated in the 60s and worst film overall uh, coming in behind Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs 2. Uh, he has a value of 6, a score of 63.14, and is ranked 61st overall. Uh, that puts him one spot behind Julie Delpy uh, and one spot ahead of Roald Dahl. And uh, we have other writers on the film, uh, including Christopher Miller. This is the fourth film of his I've seen. It drops his average for Wayne to win 77.25. It's his second film in the 60s, worst film overall, coming in behind. Cloudy with a chance of meatballs, too. He has a value of 4, a score of 55.5, and is ranked 151st overall, one spot behind Celine Sciamma, and one spot ahead of Gatan Britzi. Uh, Gatan Britzi, who is a writer on Tarzan, Fantasia 2000, and The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And third writing credit for the film goes to Matthew Fogel. This is the only film of his I've seen. Average rating of 66, one film in the 60s, it's his only film, Lego Movie 2, value of neck value of 0.5 score of 22.5 and he is ranked 3317th uh tied with a bunch of people behind a bunch of people ahead of uh jim strauss just jim strauss <laughs> and so the writing uh again like, and and it's tough because this movie is kind of the opposite of the sum of its part of, of being better than the sum of its parts. It is weaker than the sum of its parts in a lot of ways. I love the music in this movie. The music is is brilliant, just like everything is awesome was. I think a lot of the jokes did work for me. You know, everything surrounding Tiffany Haddish's character, uh, Queen Whenever, I, I really enjoyed. Um, I think that the intention to to make this film about uh sort of kind of sibling rivalry but kind of like being able to work together with your sibling and uh put differences aside i think that's a a noble and worthy message and i i applaud the film for, for really trying to tackle that I, I haven't seen too many movies where that is the the main focus and it's a shame that the film kind of falls up, falls short because 
it just it didn't didn't attack that message enough. We spend a lot of time getting sidetracked by a time travel plot. Uh, we spend a lot of time getting sidetracked by, um, you know, is this person good or a bad person or, you know, are they working against us, with us, and trying to kind of figure out, like, where we are in the plot and who the characters are and what their stances are. And by the time that's all finished, the the message of, play well with your sister kind of gets lost and it's a very simple message it's very straightforward it's very easy in my opinion to to come across and and to to present and yet it ends up being way more convoluted than it needed to be so you know again like i think there's really good writing in a lot of the jokes a lot of the sequences and in individual moments but in relation to the whole it does suffer uh substantially significantly in that respect so that is the writing and now uh this is the the, the big part um and that is the uh the acting a lot of actors a lot of names attached to this movie so let's let's get into this. We'll go through each character, each person, starting with Rafe Fiennes. <laughs> so this is the 42nd film I've seen with Rafe Fiennes. It increases his average film rating to a 62.81. It's his fifth film rated in the 60s and 24th best movie overall. Coming in behind his animated role in The Prince of Egypt and ahead of The Reader. He has a value of 17, a score of 76.95, and is ranked 26th overall. One spot behind Tom Hardy, one spot ahead of Matt Damon. Ray Fiennes plays the voice of Alfred the Butler, who really gets very little to do in this movie. Uh, so we can move right past him. Next up is Jonah Hill. This is the 39th film credit I've seen from Jonah Hill. It increases his average film rating to a 62.1. It's his ninth film rated in the 60s and 19th best movie overall, coming in behind Rocket Science and ahead of Funny People. He has a value of 13, a score of 72.07, and is ranked 71st overall. One spot behind Danny Borzage and one spot ahead of Minoru Chiaki. We are in site B, by the way, as an aside. Uh, this is not where I normally record. And as such, uh, there is a troublesome demon cat in the vicinity that may distract me from time to time. But I will do my best to keep him in check. Uh, yes, Jonah Hill. So Jonah Hill, uh, again, returning to the franchise, returning to this film... Uh, to play the voice of uh, the Green Lantern, who gets like three or maybe four lines in the film and uh, is fine. Again, uh, you know, a lot of these cameos, pretty inconsequential. I don't, I don't think they su all succeed as well as they did the first time around. Uh, but it is what it is. Moving on. Next up. Oh, damn it. There you go. Movie two. 
All right, next up is Nick Offerman. This is the 28th film credit I've seen of his. It increases his average film rating to a 62.07. It's his ninth film rating in the 60s and 13th best movie overall, coming in behind Danny Collins and ahead of his narration for The Gunfighter. He has a value of 8, a score of 65.93, and is ranked 204th overall. One spot behind Dan Hedaya and one spot ahead of Michael Ensign. Nick Offerman. Brilliant, wonderful Nick Offerman plays the voice of Metalbeard. And he's fun. You know, he he definitely gets, as far as I remember the original, uh, more to do in this movie, which is nice. Uh, he, um, I don't know, he, he, of the, like, principal characters who get abducted, he really does feel like the weak link, uh, which is a shame. You know, I I don't know. I just, I I didn't, I don't feel like we get enough from him uh, in this movie to make, not not that I want more of him necessarily, but just that to put him on the level of the other characters, I don't think he gets enough, enough credit, enough time, enough um, attention. Next up is Yorma Tacone. This is his 11th film credit, increasing his average film rating to a 64.18. It's his second film, right in the 60s, and seventh best movie overall. Coming in behind Neighbors and ahead of Role Models. He has a value of 6.5, a score of 60.81, and is ranked 418th overall. One spot behind Charles Lawton, one spot ahead of Timothy Dalton. Uh, Yorma. Yorma Tacone, member of The Lonely Island, uh, is the voice of Larry Poppins, who was a single one-off reference uh, in this movie that I actually really appreciated. Um, You know, credit, you know, considered a knockoff of Mary Poppins. I really thought his brief, like, instead of a spoonful of sugar, how about a spoonful of salt? Loved it. I thought it was funny. I approve. Next up is Channing Tatum. This is the 36th film credit of his. It increases his average movie to a 56.58. It's his fifth film, rated in the 60s, and 14th best movie overall, coming in behind Morgan and Destiny's 11th date, colon, The Zeppelin Zoo, and head of Public Enemies. He has a value of 2.5, a score of 56.11, and is ranked 734th overall, one spot behind Adrian Brody, one spot ahead of Joe Mantell. Channing Tatum reprising his voice performance as Superman. Uh, and other uh, oppo- as opposed to Jonah Hill and Green, and Green Lantern, I actually thought uh, they gave Tatum and Superman uh, at least one meaningful moment in the movie, uh, which I really liked it's maybe really liked is a little strong. I liked it. I just liked it. Just liked it. Next up is Elizabeth Banks. This is her 31st film credit, increasing her average film rating to a 54.81. It's her fifth film rating in the 60s and 13th best movie overall, coming in behind Invincible, ahead of Pitch Perfect 2. She has a value of 0.5, a score of 51.98, and is ranked 1,105th. Overall, one spot behind Hank Bell, one spot ahead of Brian Garrity. Elizabeth Banks. All right, our first real main character on the list as the voice of Wild Style slash Lucy. Loved her. I thought she was 
she does a great job uh, in her voice performance and i thought that they really gave wild style a lot to do in this movie and i was really glad they did because the first movie obviously mostly about emmett as it should have been based on the story and what they were going for but a lot of the second movie revolves around wild style uh i would even go so far as to say that they elevate her to co-lead with chris pratt's emmett and i think that she and, and what i what i love about this and I, I don't know that the movie actually like goes this far but i i think there's so much potential in the lego universe um because when you think of like a franchise like toy story at the end of toy story 3 andy finally hands off his toys to bonnie and we haven't really and and we've seen how toys are played different with differently uh, when they're you know when a different person owns them, but at the end of the day, the toys all end up you know when they come alive, they're they're all the same. You know they all end up they always end up as the same person. They they act the same. They're still the same personality. Uh, you know Buzz kind of gets a little. Uh, but there's a, I forget which movie it's in, probably the first one, but Buzz does get a little fluctuation in his personality, but I, I think that's less of to do with the influence from who's playing with him and more just, you know, his general depression in that moment. In the Lego movie, when we introduce the sister, I feel like there's a, a, a an untapped potential there to change these characters you know go against what toy story did make the characters um kind of kind of fall in line behind who's playing with them and I, the reason i bring this up regard around wild style is because you know we get some interesting backstory from from her character and for a moment, I was thinking, you know, man, maybe how cool would it be if she only has this backstory because when she's being played with by the sister character? I, I thought that could be really interesting. I, I don't think the movie really, you know, leans into that, but I would, I would be in for, I would be down for that. I would think, I think that's a really interesting um, direction. And I would be all aboard that train. Next up is Chris Pratt. This is the 23rd film I've seen with him in it. It increases his average point to a 54.48. It's his third film right in the 60s and eighth best movie overall. Coming in behind Guardians of the Galaxy 2 and ahead of 10 years. He has a value of 0.5, a score of 50.62 and is ranked 1,260th overall, one spot behind Stephen Henderson, one spot ahead of Lionel Barrymore. Chris Pratt, voice of Emmett Burkowski. Prizing his role as the titular, not titular, uh, as the, the main character from the first movie. Again, I would kind of put him as co-lead with, with Wildstyle in this movie. Uh, but Emmett... You know, early on the movie, you get to sense this sense of, uh, you know, he's still this everything is awesome guy, which is great. You know, never change him. 
but he does change. And I, I, I guess I, I really just wasn't into his character arc in this movie. I like when they introduce Rex Danger Vest, and I like you know the the relationship between those two characters. But I really didn't. I don't know. I, I felt underwhelmed by his Emmett's path in this movie. I think. I think it has a lot of. Uh, it felt easy. It felt, it felt cheap. It felt cheap to me. Cheapy, PB. Uh, next up is Will Forte. This is the twentieth film credit of his and increases his average film rating to a fifty-four point three. It's his fifth film rated in the sixties and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs two and ahead of Keanu. He has a value of zero, a score of 49.36, and is ranked 1,393rd overall, one spot behind Isabella Rossellini, and one spot ahead of Mandy Batinkin. And um, Will Forte plays the voice of Abraham Lincoln, who comes back again for this movie and has literally nothing to do. Moving on, Kobe Smulders. This is her 13th film credit. Uh, increasing her average film rate to a 56.08. It's her only film in the 60s and fifth best movie overall. Coming in behind Avengers Age of Ultron and ahead of Avengers Infinity War. She has a value of 0.5, a score of 49.1, and is ranked 1,421 overall. Uh, one spot behind John DelVal and one spot ahead of Derek Jacoby. Kobe Smulders plays the voice of Wonder Woman. All variations therein. Uh, they don't get much to do either. So we'll move on again to Richard Ayoade. This is his sixth film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 62.5. He has a, it's his only film in the 60s and fourth best movie overall, coming in behind his voice performance in The Box Trolls and ahead of his voice performance in Early Man. He has a value of two, a score of 48.88, and is ranked 1,447th overall, tied with George McKay, one spot behind Jason Mansukis, and one spot ahead of Malcolm McDowell. Richard Ayoade is the voice of uh, Ice Cream Cone, who is, I think, new, and... Uh, I don't know. I didn't leave a lasting impression. Next up is Stephanie Beatrice from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, one of the one of my favorite characters from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. This is her fourth film credit. It drops her average film rate to a 68.75. It's her only film in the 60s and third best movie overall, coming in behind The Light of the Moon and ahead of Half Magic. She has a value of 2.5, a score of 48.33, and is ranked 1,518th overall, tied with Janet Gaynor, one spot behind Peter Weller, one spot ahead of David Harbauer. Stephanie Beatrice, uh, one of the big characters that introduced, introduced in this movie, is General Mayhem. And most of the movie is spent with her character having her voice modulated by the helmet she's wearing. And I, we don't get a ton of, of like backstory and, and dimensions to, to her character of General Mayhem, but what little information we do get, I really liked. I, I thought 
giving her the you know she gets a her character gets a very important moment uh, both in terms of story and in terms of dialogue that I was really glad that they gave her I think coming from pretty much only two characters they could have given that dialogue to and uh, the other character that they you know it would have wouldn't have worked it really does work coming from general mayhem and uh, I'm I'm hopeful that she persists if 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 this franchise continues uh, I want more of her I liked her a lot next up is Will Arnett this is his 29th film credit increasing his average film rate to a 52.56 it is his second film rated in the 60s and 12th best movie overall coming in behind Teen Titans go to the movies and ahead of don't he has a value of negative one a score of 47.93 and is ranked 1569th overall one spot behind Harry Shearer one spot ahead of Moira Kelly of course Will Arnett reprising his role as Batman uh, he has had a standalone movie so it's curious to see like where he ends up now that we're back in the lego movie i really didn't dig it uh i felt like his voice was too gravelly and and whispery this time around it didn't sound as good to me i think um they make a joke about the lack of character development for batman that I like the joke of it, but then I think it does put you in this position of, oh, well, what was the point of the Lego Batman movie? No character development, yada, yada, yada. This movie tries to like buck that and be like, oh, I can't character develop this character because the public would be upset. And then they try to do it, and I, I didn't, I don't know, it, it was, the whole Batman part of this movie really didn't work for me as much as it did the first time. And I think part of that is just because he got his own standalone movie. And I expected, you know, I don't know, I expected more. I guess just more. Next up is Alison Brie. This is her 16th film credit, increasing her average film rate to a 52.56. It's her fifth film rate in the 60s and sixth best movie overall, coming in behind The Post and ahead of The Disaster Artist. She has value of negative 0.5, a score of 46.22, and is ranked 1,777th overall, one spot behind Brian Tyree Henry, one spot ahead of George Tobias. Alison Brie reprising her role as Unikitty slash Ultra Kitty. Um, this is, this is, I like Alison Brie a lot, and Unikitty was interesting uh, and, and compelling in the first movie, but severely underdeveloped. And it felt like they didn't know where to take her in this movie. They didn't know, you know, what more can we give to this character um, besides just, like, make her a rage monster. And that doesn't feel super meaningful to me. So, I don't know. I, I feel like they, they de Unikitty deserved to have more attention paid to her and she didn't get it so that's all there is next up is bruce willis this is the 46th film of his i've seen it increases his average film rate to a 52.24 it's his fifth film rate in the 60s and 16th best movie overall coming in behind 
Over the Hedge and ahead of Die Hard 2. He has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 43.56, and is ranked 2,113th overall, one spot behind Brad William Henke, and one spot ahead of Glenn Plummer. Bruce Willis plays himself. Uh, yeah, Bruce Willis uh, is the voice of Bruce Willis in this movie. And of all the cameos, this is my favorite. I loved the like two or three times we cut to Bruce Willis. It made me so happy. Uh, I think it was so charming. And it has absolutely no bearing on the rest of the movie. But for me, it just worked so well. You know, it was more than just this is a person, as some of these references were. But like it takes who this person is and, you know, puts a magnifying glass over top of them and it's like, oh, they're this way, they're this way, they did this thing, they're known for this, and, and examines that, and I liked it a lot. Next up is Will Ferrell. This is the 35th film of his I've seen. It increases his average for me to a 51.89. It's his fifth film rate in the 60s and 11th best movie overall, coming in behind Zoolander and ahead of Wedding Crashers. He has a value of negative 6.5, a score of 42.58, and is ranked 2,234th overall. One spot behind Roberta Maxwell, one spot ahead of Isla Fisher. Will Farrell reprising his role as both the father and president business, both of which are notoriously are are, are significantly absent from this film and uh, inconsequential. Next up is Ben Schwartz, sixteenth film credit of his, increasing his average film rate to a fifty point nine four. It is his only film rated in the 60s and fifth best movie overall coming in behind happy christmas and ahead of happy anniversary he has a value of negative four a score of 41.28 and is ranked 4226 overall one spot behind eileen atkins one spot ahead of will i am ben schwartz uh plays the voice of barnarnar banarnar who is a banana banarnar uh least favorite addition to this movie i really really did not like the banana in this movie he's pretty awful next up is brooklyn prince this is the third film credit of hers i've seen it increases her average film rate to a 65.33 it's her only film rated in the 60s and second best movie overall coming behind the florida project and ahead of horror show she has a value of 1.5 a score of 40.7 and is ranked 2502nd overall tied with a bunch of people one spot behind brooke smith one spot ahead of terry moore brooklyn prince you may know as the main little kid from the florida project is playing the sister in this I couldn't tell um, if she played the sister in the first movie. It seemed like in the flashbacks that they showed that she did, but IMDb says she does. She wasn't in it, or they don't even list anyone as playing her. So I don't know if that's like a contractual thing or not. I'll have to dive into that a little deeper. But um, they give her a little bit to do in this movie, and she's more than capable of it, and, and she does it perfectly fine. Uh so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm glad Brooklyn Prince is still out there, and I hope she continues to get more roles because she was absolutely fantastic in The Florida Project. Next up is Maya Rudolph. This is her 33rd film credit. It increases her average form rate to a 47.58. Uh, it is her ninth film rated in the 60s and eighth best movie overall, coming in behind as good as it gets and ahead of The Way, Way Back. 
She has a value of negative 10, a score of 34.86, and is ranked 3,256th overall. One spot behind John Ortiz, one spot ahead of Raven Simone. Uh, she plays the mother. We finally get introduced to the mother who has a bigger role than the dad in this movie. Uh, barely comparable uh, comparable role to the to ha- what Will Ferrell had in the first movie as a live action character at least. Um, there was no analog for the mom in the Lego movie world or in the Lego world, at least as a character. Uh, she is referred to many times throughout the film. And yeah, I mean, she's just there, just a face with a name. Next up is Charlie Day. This is his 13th film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 45.38. Uh, it's his second film rate in the 60s and third best movie overall, coming behind his voice role in Monsters University and ahead of Horrible Bosses. He has a value of negative 8, a score of 31.33, and is ranked 3,647th overall, one spot behind Alicia Reiner, one spot ahead of Phoebe Nichols. Charlie Day bringing back Benny, the astronaut, who continues to be very, very funny. Unlike Iron Beard, Metal Beard, whatever. Uh, I really did enjoy Charlie Day in this movie. Um, the spaceships joke, I don't know, it just doesn't go old. I don't know if it's Charlie Day's enthusiasm or if those jokes are just written better. Maybe a little bit of both. I really liked it. Next up is Ike Barinholtz. This is the 13th film credit of his I've seen. It increases his average for me to a 41.69. It is his third film, right in the 60s, and second best movie overall, coming in behind Neighbors and ahead of Storks. He has a value of negative 7.5, a score of 28.63, and is ranked 3,898th overall, one spot behind Alexandra Roach, one spot ahead of Kaya Scodelario. Ike Barinholtz is the voice of Lex Luthor, who, very similar to Green Lantern, gets like one moment, and uh, it's worthless. Next up is Jimmy O. Yang. This is his seventh film credit, increasing his average film rate to a 38.43. He is he has one is his only film rate in the 60s and second best movie overall, coming behind last year's Crazy Rich Asians and ahead of Juliet Naked. Uh, Jimmy O. Yang has a value of negative 5.5, a score of 24.39, and is ranked 4,234th overall. One spot behind Michael Trucco, one spot ahead of Stephen Merchant. Jimmy O. Yang, if you don't know who that is, he is the, uh, oh, what's his name, uh, his character's name in, uh, he's the Asian character who lives with Ehrlich in Silicon Valley and hates him. And uh, in this, he plays enthusiastic zebra. I don't even remember Enthusiastic Zebra, but I'm sure he was just fine. Next up is Tiffany Haddish. This is the ninth film of her film of hers I've seen. It increases the average film rating to a 35.22. It is her second film in the 60s and best movie coming in ahead of Keanu. She has a value of negative eight, a score of 20.82, and is ranked 4,457th overall, one spot behind Melissa McCarthy, one spot ahead of Claudia Kim. Tiffany Haddish plays Queen Whatever Wannabe. Whatever you wanna be. Whatever you wanna be. 
something. I don't know. They pronounce it more like that. Queen whatever you want to be. Want to be. Want to be. And uh, she's amazing. I'm not a huge Tiffany Haddish fan. I didn't particularly find her that great in Girls Trip uh, or any of the other crappy movies she's done since then. She was really good as Queen Whatever. Uh, she does. A, she has a couple of songs in the movie, which she kills. Uh, her character is funny, uh, hilarious, and just just bizarre. In a world of, in a Lego world, you know, she is a very strange character who constantly changes what they look like and. I, uh, I really liked it quite a bit. If you can hear that jingling sound, that is the cat. That is the cat. And he is too far away for me to throw anything at him. But I'm sure he will get tired in a minute. Maybe. Tends to have a small attention span. Moving on. Uh, next up is Jason Momoa. This is his eighth film credit, increasing his average scoring to a 34.5. It is his second film in the 60s and second best movie overall, coming in behind The Bad Batch. Uh, he has a value of negative eight, a score of 19.6, and is ranked 4,521st overall. Oh, behind The Bad Batch and ahead of Aquaman. Ranked 4,521st overall, one spot behind. Um, Max Thoreau, one spot ahead of Rachel Nichols. Jason Momoa is the voice of Aquaman. Here's And this is what I'm talking about. He does not do anything funny. His cameo is just, I'm Aquaman because I'm Aquaman in real life. And that's not funny. So, meh. And those are all the actors. Not all of them, but those are the ones on the spreadsheet. This, this cat. This cat. Okay. Genre. This movie is rated as a 66. It's from 2019. It is an action movie. It is currently ranked 321st for all action movies. Adventure. It is ranked 326th. Animated. 380th. Comedy. It is ranked 950th overall. Fantasy. It is ranked 257th. Musical. It is ranked 145th. And that's it. Yes. Uh, beyond that, it is a three on the Bechtel test. There are moments, there are conversations between uh, Wildstyle and Queen Whatever, as well as Wildstyle and General Mayhem. Both qualify, and it is rated PG. PG movie. Uh, currently not nominated for any Academy Awards. Uh, doubtful that it will. Currently, a lot of nominations at the Circle of Film Awards, but again, I'm going to hold off until kind of going through what they're the, the starting point for those uh, until after 2018's done, which should be Wednesday. Wednesday. Moving on to the year. In the year 2019, I have now seen 30 films released this year, um, and I've seen 245 films in this year. The average rating of films released in 2019 is currently 38.63. Their average tomato meter is 61.21. And um, Lego Movie is the seventh action movie, fourth adventure movie, second animated movie, fifth comedy, 
fourth fantasy and second musical that I've seen from this year as a good film, something rated 60 or above. It is the third of those from this year, increasing the ratio of good to bad films to 0.14. As a three on the Bechtel test, it is part of the 46.67% of films that have gotten a three on the Bechtel test this year. As a PG film, it is the third PG film I've seen from 2019. No G films yet this year, uh, but R still leads the way with 10. 10 R-rated films that I've seen. And finally, 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 finally. Other films that have received the exact same rating. Uh, There are approximately 112 films that have received this rating right now. Looking back at the last couple of years, you have films like The Bleeding Edge, The Sisters Brothers, At Eternity's Gate, uh, The the Director and the Jedi, Unrest, Ex Libris, colon, New York Public Library, Brawl in Cell Block 99, and Disobedience, among others. I gotta imagine that's pretty loud. Maybe it's not. Audacity says it's not super loud, so maybe I can cut it out or, or dull it down a bit in the editing room we'll see the cat the cat let's talk about the cat talking about the cat so maybe if you can't hear it then i got rid of it but if you can the cat i think i've literally never seen um him play with this toy that he's playing with right now so i think he's doing it just to spite me that said uh that's the lego movie lego movie part two it is currently ranked um second out of all films from 2019 and 2507th um out of every movie i've seen right now so you know again it's i'm not you know going to bat for this movie as one of the best ever but i do think it's enjoyable and um a good time it it does it plays a little young it does play a little young but i had fun i had fun so um Lego Movie 2. That is it. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I do appreciate it. It means a lot. If you would like to check out more episodes, you can head over to circleoffilm.com for that and much more. You can also find us on iTunes. Um, If you would be so generous and kind, rating, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes is super helpful and super appreciated. You can find me, follow me, talk to me on Twitter, at Circle of Film, Letterboxd, at Circle of Film, email circleoffilm at gmail.com or if you'd like to support the show as a patron you can head over to patreon.com slash circle of film thank you for listening to today's episode and as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night i know she'll never leave me even as she fades from you